Well, I want to bring a Father's Day message today. I want us to, uh, uh, you know, but being a father was a scary thing to me. I got married, and uh, my wife and I married in 1965, and I knew uh, uh, I was going to be a good husband. I just had it in my heart. I'm going to love this woman. I'm going to take care of her, and I'm going to just be a good husband. So I didn't worry too much about that. But then about two years later, almost two years later, uh, Kim was born. And uh, I thought, oh, my goodness, how do I handle the role of being a dad? I just didn't. Uh, I, had a, I had a wonderful dad in many ways. He taught me to work hard. He taught me to respect women, things like that. But uh, he was uh, from a generation that just didn't do a lot of fathering. They just didn't do a lot of daddying, you know. So he didn't, he probably had not been fathered well. So he didn't know really how to be a father. I don't remember him ever telling me that he loved me. I don't remember him ever saying he was proud of me. I don't remember him ever ever doing anything like that. And so I didn't have much of a model to know how to how to uh, how to be a dad. So I started trying to find some books. That's usually my answer to everything. Find a book. Find a book. But uh, books were just barely being written back then, you know. And uh, I couldn't find any books on uh, on parenting. And finally, uh, about a year, when Kim was about a year old, in fact, when she, was, when she was born, they put her in my hands. I just thought, my goodness, she's so sweet, I could just eat her up. And after about six months, I kind of wish I had because <laughs> she cried so much and did other things that babies do. And uh, so I thought, well, how, how to be a dad? And so I started looking for books, and I found a book by Richard Strauss, um, called uh, 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 Confident Children and How They Grow. And I read that book all the way through. I loved that book. In fact, it became kind of a, a pattern for my parenting over the years. And one of the chapters in that book, he talked about the different roles that fathers have. And he mentioned five different roles that we play as a father. And... Uh, and I, I took those five things, and I said, That's, I want these five things to guide me. And I put scripture with it. I think he had some scripture with it, too. And then I alliterated it because, you know, I was a Baptist preacher, and you have to alliterate everything. And uh, so anyway, when I was all done with it, I came out with these five things, that a dad needs to be a leader and a learner, a listener, a laugher, and a lover. And so those are the things I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes today. So dads, I'm talking to us today. And uh, now I've been a granddad for uh, over 25 years. And now I'm a great granddad. I know it's hard to believe, but I am. I have, uh, soon have six great grandchildren. Isn't that amazing? And so... Uh, for those of you who are dads and granddads and, and, and other great-granddads, Joe, Joe, you're a great-granddad, aren't you? Great, great. Great, great. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Great, great-granddad. Well, and uh, you're a great-granddad. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
And one coming. That's right. Okay. So I'm just speaking to us today. Ladies, you can listen uh, or you can knit or whatever you want to do. But I'm talking to the men right now. And then also you guys, you younger guys, you're going to be dads someday. And, uh, and you need to hear this too. So, so what, what are the five roles or <clears throat> responsibilities of a dad? And the first one is to be a leader. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 4, Paul gives us a, a verse that, uh, that a lot of men have misunderstood because it uses a word that gets mistranslated and kind of misunderstood. It says, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. That's not really a good translation. What's the King James on that? Uh, says, uh, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So a lot of men have read this, and they think, well, my role as a dad and as a husband is to rule my home. But that's a poor translation. The word rule there, and and the way it's translated in the ESV is manage, it's actually a word that means to stand before, to stand before, and it can actually be translated to stand as a covering over someone. Proistomy is the Greek word. It means to stand forth. And the idea of it that, I, that uh, uh, Mr. Strauss said that just made so much sense to me is that a, a man who's going to be a, a father should so stand before his children that they can look at him and get kind of a picture of what God, as a father, is like. So I take it as to stand before them as an example, as a model. Now, of course, that's a great big task, and I've certainly never been perfect at it, but it has been my goal. I want... When my children see me, I want them to say, I think that's the way my heavenly father does. I think that's the way way my heavenly father would want to, uh, uh, to, to respond to me and to treat me. And so this word means to stand before. It also has the idea of standing over in a protective way, like a covering. So I took from that that when I take the idea of ruling my family, that it does not mean cracking a whip and keeping them in, uh, in, in line, but it meant rather leading them by example and by a protective covering over them. To always know that I would be there for them, that no matter where they were geographically or even where they were uh, uh, in any other way in their life that they could say, I know my dad has me covered. And so I just think that's important for us as fathers to cert- first of all say, I want to be the kind of leader that models Christ and also covers my children. And then the next thing is to be a learner. And I want... and. I, there are lots of different passages that I could use for this. Uh, the very word disciple means learner. 
And when Jesus called his disciples and he calls us disciples, he means we're to be learning from him. But I want to, I want to take a passage out of Psalm 78, uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. Psalm 78, he's talking about that which we have heard and known, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children or our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Now, I know that's a little, uh, that may not be the text you would have thought that I would use for this, but what he's saying here is that we are in a, a chain, of gener- a generational chain, and we should be learning from those who have gone before us, and then we should be training those who are now with us in order that they will be able to teach and train the ones who come after us. And so uh, if we are going to teach, we have to learn. Some country teacher back in Tennessee was asked by the school board, if, can you teach something you don't know? And he thought about it for a second. And he said, no, sir. I can't teach what I don't know any more than you can come back from where you ain't been. And, uh, and that's the truth, isn't it? We can't teach what we hadn't learned. And he says in this passage, we're to be learning in order to be able to teach that which we've learned to those who come after us. So, fathers, and I, I again, a lot of people have come to me for counseling and think I'm a book salesman. Because I'm always saying, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. Let me just say, every man needs to read the book For Men Only by Sean T. Feldhahn. Every man needs to read it. And every woman needs to read the companion book called For Women Only. What I found is when I counsel couples, the men want to read the women's book. And the women want to read the men's book, and I just slap their hand and say, no, you can't do that because this is for men only. But, uh, but I'm saying that we have to be learners. We have to be disciples, learning the Scripture, learning from hearing other people, learning from our pastor, learning from our teachers, but learning all the time. Always be learning. I hope if I live to be 100 I hope I learn something uh, when I'm 100 years old because there's, there's still so much I don't know, and I always want to be learning. So, fathers, we need to be uh, we need to be learners, disciples of Christ, learners from Him, but also learners in every other way. I uh, I would e- wouldn't even venture a guess as to how many books I've read on. Uh, the family, on trying to learn how to be a better husband, trying to learn how to be a better father, trying to learn how to be a better pastor. And uh, in every book that I read, I see some nugget that I hadn't seen before. 
And I just challenge you, men, be up, be learners. And uh, it's possible in our day, especially, to just let ourselves be entertained by stuff that's meaningless when we could take that same amount of time and be feeding ourselves on things that will be life-changing. So be a, 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 a leader, be a learner, and then be a listener. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let every man be quick to hear, quick to hear, and slow to speak, and slow to anger. And usually what happens is that we get it just backwards. We get angry, and then we speak, and then we listen. He puts it in the right order. Listen first, and then speak after you had time to think about it, and then be slow to anger. It doesn't say you never get angry, but be slow to anger. And so be a listener. And listen to this, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He that answers a matter before he thoroughly hears it, it is folly and shame to him. So if you, if you speak before you get all the facts, you almost always make a mistake. So, uh, so be a, a, a listener. Uh, our kids have a lot they want to talk to us about. I ha- I've had a, a young lady, she's in her 20s now, but she said, I could never get my dad to listen. He was always on watching TV or on his phone. And, of course, the phone has become a, a constant thing with most people today. And uh, uh, dads, when you're with your kids, put your phone away. Okay? Just good. And, uh, and then listen. Listen to what they say. Listen to their heart. Listen to... And, uh, Expect them to have questions that you don't know the answer to. And when you don't know the answer, don't make up some. Say, that's a great question. Let's try to find the answer to that. And uh, I remember when we <clears throat> moved out here to Texas. Kim had been going to school over at Red Oak. She came home from school one day and kind of quiet, went to her room. And I said, something wrong? She said, I'm just struggling with my faith. I just don't know if I believe. You remember that, Kim? And, uh, and I got so happy. I got excited. I said, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. Because what you're saying is that up until today, I've believed what you believe because I respect you. But today, you're saying, I want it to be my faith. I want it to be my faith. So when your kids say things to you that kind of shock you or you don't know what to say, just say, that's great. I'm so glad that you're thinking about these things. Well, there's a lot to think about today, too. So be a, a listener. 
And don't answer so quickly before you get all the information that you need. And then the next one is to be a, and that's probably not the best word, but a laugher. Have a good sense of humor. Uh, there is a time to be serious, for sure. The Bible says there's a time to cry. There's a time to be serious. But there's also a time to laugh. There's a time to find humor. And there's so much humor in life, isn't there? And uh, uh, I love it when our great-grandkids come over and our, our granddaughter tells us things that, that they're saying and everything like that. Riley said one day this last week, said, Mom... If anybody breaks into our house, tell them not to come back to my room because I'm busy. Isn't that what it was? Something like that. I'm taking a nap. I'm taking a nap, so don't come back there and disturb me. So uh, I, I hope Holly tries to remember that. If anybody breaks in the house, say you, you can't go back to Riley's room because she's busy taking a nap. But uh, but there's just so many funny things, so much to laugh about, and uh uh, there are some dads that are just over serious. They're just uh, somber all the time. They're just, uh, they're, what's, what's the right word? Uh, morose almost, you know. And I think our kids, we, we want our kids to experience joy. And they need to see joy in us. And feel joyful heart. The Bible says in Proverbs fifteen thirteen, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. A glad heart makes a happy face. But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. So uh, if we're happy and we know it, then our face should surely show it. You girls knew that song, didn't you? So, if you are happy, joyful, let it show on your face. That's what he says here. A happy heart, a merry heart, makes a cheerful face. A cheerful countenance. And then uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty two. a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. So, dads, let's let's have a sense of humor. Let's uh, let's do let's be fun guys. <laughs> let's just be happy and know it. And let our face show it. And then the last one is that husbands and fathers should be lovers. Our, our, we're commanded, of course, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. <clears throat> but he also would command us to love our children. And so what is the qualities of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? And uh, I'm just going to paraphrase them for you. Love never gives up. It doesn't give up. I know, I know there are parents who have sons and daughters who have broken their hearts 
and who have left their home and uh, what do we do? I think we take our cue from the father of the prodigal son. We keep loving. We just keep on loving them. Well, how long? I don't know how long was the prodigal son in the far country. How long do you think? The Bible says that he was given a, a an inheritance, a vast treasure, obviously. And he lived in that far country long enough to spend it all, to waste it all. And yet when he came back home, the Bible says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he ran to meet him, ran to greet him, ran to welcome him. So love never stops. It doesn't give up. It keeps loving. And uh, love cares more for others than it does for itself. It is unselfish. Love does not want what it doesn't have. It's not envious, the Bible says. It doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It does not live by the me first attitude, doesn't fly off the handle, and doesn't keep score of the sins of others. A young man told me one time, he said, two things I've never heard my father say. I've never heard him say I'm sorry. I've never heard him say I was wrong. Well, the truth is all of us are wrong sometimes, and all of us should be sorry when we're wrong. And uh, our kids need to, to hear us say, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I can remember one time... <clears throat> We were on a trip. We had this big station wagon, the Ford LTD station wagon. You know, this was back before seat belts and back when the kids could play all in the car. And our kids were playing back in the very back part of the car. And uh, we'd been on this long trip. We were on our way home, and I was so tired. And and uh, and they were making noise. They were always cutting up, singing silly songs and and everything. And uh, and they were back there, and I was shushing them. You know, y'all, y'all settle down. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. You know, y'all be quiet. Be quiet. And uh, that that didn't compute at all. And they were just going crazy, and they were just singing louder. And I said, I said, be quiet. I'm not going to tell you again. Don't make me come back there. Kind of idea, you know. And then they burst out with some just, bah! you know, I don't know exactly what. Man, I slammed on my brakes, and they came tumbling up to the front part of the back, and I jumped out of the car, and I ran back and opened the uh, door, reached in and grabbed This was when the doors opened out this way. They didn't open up that way, and I grabbed them and jerked them out, and I swatted them and threw them back in the car. 
Now, I know you can't imagine your pastor ever doing a thing like that, can you? But I did. Now, I got back in the car, slammed the door, got back in the car, and I'm driving. And, man, it was dead silence back in the back. Not a word. And I hadn't driven two miles. And the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Good job, Dad. You really taught them, didn't you? You really stood before them as an example, didn't you? you and, I, and I'm arguing. You ever argue with the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, you know, I told them three times. Yeah, yeah okay, but you kind of lost it, didn't you? And I pulled over at the side of the road, went back to the back, and opened the door. And, of course, they scrunched back. They thought I was coming to, back to finish the job, you know. And I crawled in the back with them. And I said, hey, kids, I'm sorry. That was wrong for me to do that. And uh, I just need to ask you, will you forgive me? And kids love to forgive their dads. You know, they really do. And I hugged them. They hugged me. And I don't remember where we had been on that trip. I don't remember anything else about that trip. But I'll never forget that incident and the way God used it to break my heart over the fact that I had misbehaved as a dad. So our kids need to know that love is not just saying, I love you. It's showing, I love you. So love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't rejoice when others fail, Rejoices in truth. It puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And love never stops loving. So dads and granddads, great-granddads, and even great-great-granddads, we want to be a leader, a model, we want to be a learner. We want to be a listener. We want to be a laugher. If you have trouble with that part, just go look in the mirror. That usually helps me laugh. And then we want to be a lover. And how do we do those things? We do it by the grace of God. It flows into our life from a heavenly father who models for us What a perfect father ought to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have taught us that when we pray, you taught us, even though you're the almighty, magnificent, matchless God, you you didn't teach us to approach you with those kinds of words. You taught us that when you pray, you say, our Father. And I thank you that you're our Father by giving us birth into your family miraculously and then also by giving us through adoption all of the rights and privileges of a full heir. And I pray that you will help us as we learn from you, our perfect Father, help us to be fathers who are leading and learning and listening 
and laughing and loving our children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, you can never do any of these things properly unless you have a heart that is given to you by regeneration and by salvation. If you are not a Christian, this would be such a wonderful day. This Father's would be the greatest gift for you to say today, I'm receiving the gift of eternal salvation, forgiveness for all my sin, and new life in Christ. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.